Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. And today we're going to be delving into something that is near and dear to Jesus's heart, and that is Israel. And if you're aware, Israel is currently under attack right now. And as we prepare right now to go into the presence of God and speak on this issue, I want to pray a blessing over your life. The blessing comes from Moses's brother, who was a priest, priest Aaron, and he gives us this benediction. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. And I just pray that in deep peace over everyone that's in Israel at this time. You know, friends, many people are operating from the false position that God's Bible is not relevant today. This is deception from the enemy. So join me and others as we explore the roots of history and how it applies to our present day lives. Today, like so many of you, we're sharing in grief and in shock over the events within our world. While Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th of 2022, this was an escalation that had begun from 2014. And this invasion is considered the largest attack on a European country since World War II. Afghanistan experienced an earthquake registering 6.3 on the Richter scale, killing 2,000 people, and then another one followed on its heels just this morning. And Israel now is in its fifth day of war with Palestine. They're being attacked by Hamas, which is a militant group. CBN was reporting that Israel's preparing a ground invasion of Gaza. More than 1,200 Jewish civilians are dead, 170 soldiers slain, and more than 3,500 people have been wounded. And they're murdering babies. Some have been beheaded. We need to be in prayer for all of the people involved in this war because we know that the principalities and the rulers of darkness, as Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, are very much involved and are very much with the terrorism organizations that are attacking. And the latest reports say there may be a three-prong approach on Israel. So the U.S. has citizens over there, which are there for a multitude of reasons. So we need to be praying for our U.S. citizens as well as all of, all of the Israelis, all of the people involved. And many were on holy land tours. So for the next few episodes, we're going to step back and look into the beginnings of this Middle East conflict. What the origin and history dictates of why there's been persistent and, and um, ongoing conflict. And also, what does Jesus say about cosmic disturbances? Today, we're looking at Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, and Ishmael. Tomorrow, we're going to look at the covenant son, Isaac, and his family, Rebecca, and the twins. We're going to discover that these twins have been at unrest as far back as in the womb of their mother, Rebecca. And later on, we'll also tackle 
what God's promises are for his chosen people of Israel. And here is a spoiler alert. Israel, Israelis are not the only chosen people. Paul tells us that Jews and Gentiles alike are God's chosen people. So a predominant question for many begins by asking why, what, and who is behind this hatred The easy and obvious answer is Satan, but to give a more in-depth answer, we need to start at the beginning. Now, Abraham signified the beginning of God's covenant people, and the broad brushstrokes for salvation were put into place. Salvation comes by faith. Abraham's descendants will be God's people. And the Savior would come through this chosen nation. Abraham's story shows us that God is faithful in his promises. He kept his promises then and he keeps his promises now. In Genesis chapter 15 verses 5 and 6, Moses recorded, Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that, too many to count. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. And recall that righteous means approved and accepted to God. Now, this is really an important point. Abram believed. You see, Abram had already been demonstrating his faith through his actions. However, it was his belief in the Lord, not his actions, that made Abram right with God. We too can have a right relationship with God by placing our trust in Him. Our outward actions, like going to church, praying, being good, kind people, service for the Lord will not by themselves make us right with God. A right relationship is based upon faith. It's the heartfelt inner confidence that God is who he says he is and does what he says he will do. Right actions will follow naturally because we, God's people, are the righteousness of God through his son, Jesus. Meaning when he looks at you and he looks at me, he sees the same thing that he sees when he looks at his son, Jesus. So Abram's wife, Sarai, grew impatient in her waiting for the promised child. In her worldly wisdom, she concocted a plan, an idea to fix the situation. This was a grave mistake from the get-go. She left out God from her equation and her planning. So here's what she did. She gave Abram, her maidservant, as a substitute wife. This was a common practice in the ancient world, but you see, it just was not God's best or God's covenant promise. Her lack of faith spawned many problems. Like Sarai, we get weary in the waiting. That's human nature. But the enemy enters into our minds, stepping on to the battleground, the battlefield, and suggests to us, perhaps you didn't hear God clearly. 
So in this time of waiting, when we know that we're doing the right thing for God, we're speaking on behalf of what the word of God says, we must overcome all temptations to give up or give in to other people or other means. We must not take matters into our own hands and interfere in God's plans. And here starts the roller coaster of events. Genesis chapter 16 verses 4 and 5. So Abram slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Now friends, I don't know about you, but I would think that that would be the other way around, but it wasn't. So then Sarai said to Abram, it's all your fault. Now this servant of mine is pregnant and she despises me, though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you. The Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. If you're saying, whoa, stop the train. It was Sarai who arranged for Hagar to have a child by Abram. And now she's blaming Abram for the results. Join me. Come along. You've now entered into the love triangle. We too may lash out at others in frustration rather than admitting our own errors and shortcomings and then asking for the necessary forgiveness. We see this very same pattern with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Sarai was angry with Abram, but she took it out on Hagar. Her treatment of her was so harsh that Hagar ran away. But the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar, and this is thought to have been the pre-incarnate Christ. He offered her this advice, return and face Sarai. Submit to her. Hagar was now in a position to work on her attitude towards someone that, quite frankly, she just didn't like. Now, God presents us with these same trials so that we will grow more into the likeness of his son. We cannot go by our feelings of I like them or I don't like them. As God's children, we're called to foster good relationships, not sowing discord among the brethren. No matter how justified Hagar was in running away from her problems, doing so rarely will fix them. We always must address the root cause. Otherwise, our problem just has a new location to call home. It was wise for Hagar to return to Sarai, to face her squarely. Knowing God was with her, he promised to help her with her attitude towards Sarai. And as of this point in our story, all three people were to blame for the mess they were in. Sarai was impatient and formulated the plan to fix the problem. Abraham went along with the plan, didn't even question it. And Hagar ran away from a messy situation. But God, in his infinite wisdom, would fix the mess. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So Sarai and Abram still received the son they were so desperate for. That was Ishmael. 
Abram at this point was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. And God also helped to solve Hagar's problems, even though Abram refused to get involved. The covenant promise that God made with Abram was this. First, God would give Abram many descendants. Second, many nations would descend from them. Third, God would maintain his covenant with Abram's descendants. And fourth, God would give Abram's descendants the land of Canaan. Now, God changed Abram and Sarai's names shortly before the promised son Isaac was conceived. Abraham meant the father of many. Sarah meant princess. She was to be the mother of the nations. Now, what were the terms of this covenant? The contract was this. Abraham would obey God and circumcise all the males in his household. God's part was to give Abraham heirs, property, power, and wealth. Most of the time, contracts are even trades. We give something and in return, receive something of equal value. But when we become part of God's covenant family, the blessings we receive far outweigh what we must give up. What we know, uh, what do we know about Ishmael? Well, really, we don't know what his views on life were. Ishmael's life, his name, and his position were bound up in a conflict between two jealous women, Hagar and Sarah. For 13 years, Abraham thought Ishmael's birth had fulfilled God's promise. He was surprised to hear God say that the promised child would be Abram and Sarah's very own. Ishmael must have suffered at Sarah's pregnancy and Isaac's birth. Up until this point, he had been treated as both a son and an heir. However, this late arrival of Isaac caused him much uncertainty. During Isaac's weaning celebration, Sarah caught Ishmael teasing his half-brother. Sarah expelled Hagar and Ishmael permanently from Abraham's family. While Ishmael was born into adversity, he still could have made better choices. This is not me condemning him or judging him. It simply is to allow this to be used as a lesson for you and for me. Much of what happened during Ishmael's life cannot be blamed on Ishmael. He really was a byproduct of circumstances. However, his actions showed that he chose to be a part of the problem and not the solution. We're not able to control our circumstances. Instead, we must make a decision to trust fully in God. Nasera was 90 years old and Abram, excuse me, Abraham was 100 years old when God told Abram, you're going to have a son with Sarah. Genesis chapter 17 verses 19 through 21, Moses tells us this, but God replied, Sarah, your wife will bear you a son. You will name him Isaac and I will confirm my everlasting covenant with him and his descendants. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also just as 
you have asked. I will cause him to multiply and become a great nation. Twelve princes will be among his descendants. But my covenant is with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. You see, friends, God is so good. And all the excitement and promise of Isaac, he still remembers and blesses Ishmael. Regardless of our circumstances, God has not forgotten us either. We only need to obey him and trust his plan. Sarah laughed when she heard she was going to have a child at her age. But we learn in Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, the Lord says, Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The obvious answer is, of course not. We may consider adopting the habit of asking ourselves that very question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? For me, I may ask, is writing an episode for this podcast too hard for the Lord? When we stop and ask this in such a personal way, we're reminded that God is personally involved in our lives and he wants to nudge us to ask him for his power to help in all areas of our life. Tune in tomorrow as we discover more about the beginnings of two nations and a lifetime of unrest. And friends, I would ask you, if you've not been spiritually reborn, wouldn't now be a good time? God made it clear to enter into the kingdom of heaven, a person must confess belief in his son, Jesus, by professing with their mouth. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. When we place our trust in Jesus, a divine exchange takes place. Jesus takes our sin, making us right with God. Our sin was placed on to Jesus at his crucifixion. His righteousness is given to us at our conversion. We can never repay this extraordinary and extravagant gift of kindness back to Jesus. However, we can show him gratitude by growing and making efforts to obey him and deepening our relationship daily. Today, friends, if this is you respectfully, I challenge you, especially with the events, the current events of the world, take a bold step of courage and openly confess your belief in Jesus, saving salvation. Pray this prayer after me. Father God, today I'm repenting of sin, meaning I'm changing my ways of thinking. Jesus, I invite you to come into my heart. I confess your shed blood washed away my sin from the top of my head to the soles of my feet at the cross at Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, you were saved and born again spiritually. Jump into your Bible so you can read God's word daily and the Holy Spirit is going to guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And I just want to close out today reading Psalm 121 and Psalm 91. They just did this on CBN and it is completely appropriate for this episode and for the events going on in our world. You know, Psalm 121 says the whole theme of it is that we can depend upon God for help. As pilgrims, we must travel through lonely country to our destination. We are protected 
not by anything created in the world, but by the creator, God. He is our everything. And you know, some of the notes that I have that I want to share with you that I've written in my Bible for Psalm 121, we give because it blesses us. We sow where we are fed. We feed as sheep. Live a life worth blessing. We need to wait and hold on in faith. We need to hold Jesus's hand and we need to actively look for his face. We need to have patience, growth, Where are our sacrifices? Are we carrying our crosses? Scripture empowers us for the fight. We must sacrifice to God. And sacrifice, when I say that, I mean time in his presence every day. We need to praise Jesus. Praise God for the gift of Jesus. And we need to have our faith activated. And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit to continue to reveal more and more truths to us. He wants our lives to be lived as a lifestyle glorifying him. So now we're going to start with Psalm 121. And this is a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let you stumble and fall. The one who watches over you will not sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never tires and never sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not hurt you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. And now I'm going to read Psalm 91. And the theme of Psalm 91 is God's protection in the midst of danger. God doesn't promise a world free from danger, but he does promise his help whenever we face danger. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I am trusting him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from the fatal plague. He will shield you with his wings. He will shelter you with his feathers. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor fear the dangers of the day, nor dread the plague that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, These evils will not touch you, but you will see it with your eyes. You will see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your dwelling, for he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you with their hands to keep you from striking your foot on a stone. You will trample down lions and poisonous snakes. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. 
The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with a long life and give them my salvation. In Jesus' holy name, amen.